Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, September 13th, and I am your host, Max Rothman, and that is a scary way to open this, Friday the 13th. You know, we're approaching Halloween time, I'm already seeing tons of, you know, memes and and tweets and Instagrams about, you know, the, the spooky season coming around, and... Uh, Friday the thirteenth, you know, not not the day you uh you you want to see, but uh, there's been a lot of news going around the tennis world. I almost feel like uh, it sh- this should be a Twitter Friday uh, podcast because there's been some some juicy stuff that's come out um in in the tennis world that we will be sure to talk about today in this podcast. But we just wrapped up uh, a wonderful U.S. Open season. Uh, we had tons of coverage during that, so make sure to go check out all of our coverage on the, the website, the podcast, the YouTube. We did some live uh, videos and the, the live shows, so make sure to check that all out if you haven't. And, uh, you know, of course, got to just quickly shout out the super producers, Fliegner and Westoff. You know, we, we shout them out at the end, but got to give them a little shout out at the beginning. They were absolutely spectacular this whole time. But uh, I want to get into the talk today, and, of course, I got to bring back my man, Kale Hammond. Kale, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm hanging in there, man. <laughs> I feel like we're both just in this like injury. Yeah. Terrible... How's your ankle doing, buddy? It's it's black and blue. It's uh, it's it's ugly, but uh, I'm I'm slowly slowly progressing. You know, the the boot should come off next week, uh, and and hopefully can get back on the court. That's that's the goal. But sounds like you're uh, you're hurting too. Oh man, I was just crushing the workouts this week. Feeling good, feeling fit, but I was getting a little tight. And then I went to play tennis, and at my age, at 28, I mean, I'm injury prone as it is. I'm sort of soft, but <laughs> I didn't really get a good warm up, and we just started cranking. And in and the first point, my back just went out. Literally, the first point, oh, I lost God. it. Just goosebumps, searing pain, and I'm out. And I have to fly tomorrow to Dallas, so wish me luck. I don't fly very well as it is in general, and now I got to fly with the back spasms. Well, you're you're flying so, uh, with a back spasm, and on Friday the thirteenth. So I'm gonna knock on some wood and, and wish you. This a will lot be my of... last uh, Cracked Rackets podcast. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, wet West off. Give me a little knock on wood sound effect. We got to give some good luck to to kill for his flight tomorrow. Um, but uh, you are you you really sly there. You just mentioned casually you're going to Dallas. Tell us why you're going to Dallas. Going to Dallas for Dirk Nowitzki's Celebrity Tennis Charity event. Yeah, you are. And it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Yeah, my boy Haralabob hooked it up. He's the head numbers guy for the Dallas Mavericks. He has, I should find out his official title, but he's a computer statistical genius. And so Mark Cuban hired him, pays him a hefty sum of money to run their analytics department, uh, basically. (laughs) <laughs> and he's yep. the man, and Steve Nash is going to be there, and we've been we've been working on his game too. So I'm excited to see some of these some of my pupils in action. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got just a star-studded lineup for this year. I, I was reading uh, a little bit about you know who else is going to be at his charity event. So I, I know uh, Luca Luka Doncic, he's going to be there. I guess Dirk uh, recruited him, and you know, like you said, Steve Steve Nash is going to be there. Apparently, Luca recruited himself for that. And Dirk, Dirk <laughs> yeah. I was actually doing some research today just to have some stuff to talk about and. Dirk on an interview said that he tried to invite Luca over to play so he could test him out because right and then Luca yeah, because bailed <laughs> so we, he still doesn't even know how good he is no we don't know and he said he had Harrison Barnes play one year and Harrison Barnes said he could play tennis and he said it was it was pretty awful and not even fun for Harrison <laughs> so he tried to test Luca out and Luca couldn't make it. So it'll be interesting to see. And six foot eight, he's you know probably has a good serve. We'll see. Yeah, and and he's a he's an entertaining guy. So I'm sure it'll be sure it'll be fun. But yeah, you got Tommy Haas and Isner going as well, and JJ Barea. So you, you'll you'll got you've got a nice little uh, crew that that should be really fun. And I think we might, this might have been the same time last year that I talked about this, but a lot of people don't realize Dirk is a huge tennis fan uh, and. He, you know, grew up playing and, uh, you know, even made a decision to play basketball over tennis. And, uh, yeah, so just really cool that, you know, he, he chooses tennis to be kind of the, the focal point of his charity event. And uh, super jealous you get to go. Definitely, you know, get some good footage while you're there and, you know, enjoy it as, as much as you can, even though your back's uh, not doing too hot. It's really bad timing, um, but I got to get it right. I've, you know, this isn't the first time it's happened. I can, I can, I can fix it. <clears throat> yeah. You know, a little a little pain meds and uh, you know some stretching and I'm I'm sure you'll be good. Uh, but let's let's get into the tennis talk. There's been some pretty crazy news you know coming out this past week, uh, and I think the one piece of news that we got to start with uh, our girl Kim Kleisters. I mean, I think people don't realize how amazing she is and was. You know, first of all, this is. Now, the second time that Kim is coming out of retirement, uh, she retired, I want to say, in 2000 and, oh boy, seven, I, ha- I had this. Yeah, um, 2007. Yep, and, you know, then she she comes back as a, an unranked wild card. So, sorry, let me take a step back. She first reaches world number one in 2003, you know, then wins her first major at the 2005 U.S. Open, uh, you know, and then some injuries, you know, set her back and she wants to start a family and she retires at 23 years old. Uh, and so she comes back and in 2009, you know, gets a couple top 10 wins. And then, you know, in her third tournament back, she wins the 2009 US Open as an unranked wild card on her way, beats Venus, Lee Na, that's a name that we haven't heard in a while. Serena beats both of the, the Williams sisters and Wozniacki uh, to get her second major title and, uh, just an unbelievable, you know, story for her uh, to be coming back at 36. You know, we've seen Serena playing at a at a late age. We've got on the men's side, we've got Federer playing at 37. So it's clearly doable. I mean, Kale, this is just uh, you know one of the coolest stories we've heard in a long time. Yeah, <clears throat> if anyone can do it, it's not like a hot take, but if anyone can do it, it's it's Kim Kleisters. Absolutely, we definitely forget how amazing she actually was and you know and she was one of my favorite players to watch i mean you remember her epic rivalry with justine hennen oh yeah and how how intense those matchups used to be i mean that was the sort of the creme de la creme of women's tennis for a few years 
and yeah, I mean, I think she can do it. And if she, look, she's she's missed in 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 her playing career, just as it is, including the retirement, she's missed. Why I want to say twenty grand slams, like the mileage isn't crazy on her, and there's no reason right. to think with today's advances in sports science and recovery methods, in training methods in general, why she won't be able to do it. I'm I have faith, and so I think it's I think we're going to be seeing a lot of her, and I really hope, I hope it goes well, and I'm a little worried that everyone you know everyone says it's going to go amazing for her right off the bat, which is probably a sign that it's, she's going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, look, she it's not like she's going to hop in and, you know, I mean, I'm I'm saying this now after, you know, her first return, you know, she did get two top 10 wins in her first tournament back at the Western Southern Open, so, you know, saying this now might be stupid, but uh yeah, I, I don't expect her to have immediate success and you know, I I do think we should expect to see a good amount of her. Uh she has mentioned that, you know, her family is going to come first and she's going to play a definitely lighter schedule than uh, you'd expect, but I mean, she she's got the grit. I, I think her mindset going into this twenty twenty return is perfect. She she's not doing it to to try and win. It's it's just a challenge for her. She she wants to prove to herself that she can you know come back and still compete at a high level. And I think that kind of mentality is actually really scary for other players because she's not. It's not like she's going out there to to win slams. That's not her goal. She's just going out there to prove to herself that she can be a beast still, and I'm sure she can. And, yeah. and that kind of carefree mentality is is scary. Yeah, I think she probably saw Sharapova out there, and she's like, well, I could probably be better than her. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, Serena's struggling to get it. She's lost her last four major finals. Uh, Kleister's, before she retired, she actually won her last four um, majors, which is pretty impressive, mm-hmm. she, a clean sweep on her last four. Four majors, but also it's a long, long layoff, man. She hasn't played in seven years. So it's true. It's, you know, you just don't you don't get to do that. You you just don't get to take <laughs> yeah. seven years off competition and come back and be and you know, be second week semifinals of Grand Slams like people think she's gonna do. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to, to me to see how long she's able to keep it going. Talent wise, she can do it. And athleticism, she's one of the best movers the game, the women's game ever saw. So she can do it, but at the same time, can you take seven years off and come back and still rise to the top of your sport? If she does, it would be certainly one of the most impressive things we've ever seen. But seven years in a sport where the margins are as slim as tennis, I'm not, I'm not buying it. It's, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a brutal. I mean – Dude, I don't seven know. Seven years. She hasn't played in seven years. I know. Dude, she spent 20 weeks at world number one. She's got three WTA finals. She has 41 singles titles. And she only played for like five years or whatever it was, eight, six, seven years. Like, that's insane. Like, you're telling me she can't. So let's, let's you know, hypothetical here. Let's give her two years on tour. Is she winning a, is she winning a title? Maybe not a Grand Slam. Is she winning a Masters? No. No? No. 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 First of all, because Andreescu's going to win them all. Second of all. <laughs> She's winning every all. Masters for the rest of those two years. <laughs> Andreescu's going to go 268-0 in her career. <laughs> <laughs> Starting in February. No, but but look, I'm just of the school of thought that seven years is, is too many. It's too much. 
it's too much time off of competition. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I would love to see you know the some some other historic comebacks to the game. I mean, Tiger had a good. How long did Tiger take off? You know, when he because he, he took off a lot of years. He took yeah exactly. So so you know, Tiger can do it. Maybe she can do it, but. I just, I just think my only thought is that seven years is just too much time. Yeah, I mean her her last break was only two years, um, which isn't a crazy amount of time. I and mean, we have people take off that amount of time just for injuries. And she's coming back at twenty at twenty six. Now right. she's coming back at now she's coming back at thirty thirty six. <laughs> yeah, thirty six. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ugh, I don't know. All I know is that people are going to be really excited to see her back in the court. I know I'm excited to see her back in the court. Uh, we, we might need to get a little, you know, Twitter poll action and see what people think about uh, her potential success moving forward. But regardless, it's going to be really, really fun to, to watch her come back. It's going to be a hell of a storyline to follow, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, staying on the women's side of the game, some other news on, on the WTA. Uh, Cahill and Simona are back together as, as coach and player. Um and I kind of want to bring back this conversation of, you know, the the women's side and, and the coaching, you know, uh, dilemmas that I feel like we've seen. I, I heard Osaka also this week uh, split up with Jermaine Jenkins. Uh, that's a, you know, the uh, maybe the fourth time she's, maybe not fourth, the third time that she's split up with a coach. Um, I was doing a little research on Andreescu's coach and, uh, you know, she's been, you know, with Sylvia now for a bit I mean, what what is it about? I feel and and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I might just be misinformed here, but I feel like I hear more about the WTA players splitting up with their coaches more than I do on the the ATP side. You're just setting me up for failure here. <laughs> by, <laughs> I mean, I'm setting I'm by, setting by, myself by, up. by leading the question is that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say no comment to the way you phrase the question, but yeah, fair enough. In both. Both men and women coaching coaching changes are are common, but I think we've seen it with the you know the higher profile women players. Yeah. Um, just you know the the coach the classic coaching carousel, and Naomi Osaka you mentioned her that just didn't really go well from the beginning. So that yeah, makes I mean, that makes sense. Just something you know they gave it what they gave it. They started Indian Wells. Now it's the end of the season. They gave it a full season, and it just didn't click. Yeah. So it's not like they did it mid. I mean, they pretty much gave it a full season, and then Cahill and and Halep, like you see them on TV interacting with each other. Their relationship is like relationship goals. Right. I mean, they they needed to get back together. They needed to get back together. Cahill stopped because you know his family. He wanted to spend more time with his family and his kids that he loves. But now he loves his kids so much. He's like, well. Shit, I've got a chance to coach a world number one talent for the next five years. I love you so much, kids, that I'm gonna go back on tour with her and get you know a chunk of that of that prize money. substantial prize <laughs> money because Halep is Halep is racking up the millions, and you know Cahill well, gets whatever percentage he gets of it. He gets a percentage, and that's look. You have when you have a player like with a relationship like that, number one in the world potential every single year for the next five years probably. Look, you know, you gotta. It's your life. You gotta. You gotta set your family up for success. And I think that's getting back in the game. Yeah, getting I mean, some more money. Know, need to make sure that that Halep stays healthy. I know she's struggled a little bit with, uh, you know, her health this year. But 
you know, gonna gonna backtrack a bit to the way I phrased that question. Definitely set myself up for some, you know, chirping on on the, the Twitter <laughs> yeah. with that. I think the the reason, that, you know, more what I what I I've been thinking about is that on the WTA side, we actually the coaches get to come on the court. You know, I, I think that is a, a huge difference and and actually could contribute. Um, and again, I don't know if this is the case, but it could contribute to why, you know, it, there, it's a little bit more of a decision. I, I think that on, you know, to an extent, a coach is important, right? Like you need to make sure that they are, you know, able to give you good instruction or really watching your matches are able to analyze things right. And, uh, but on the WTA side, there's a huge component to being able to come onto the court and, you know, mid-match give you that confidence boost and that, you know, give you that pep talk that changes things around. Um, so I think there there is a little bit more to consider with a coach, honestly, on the WTA side because of that. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting point with the on-court coaching. I mean, it's just so much a uh, relationship built on trust and respect and also likability. You know, you spend so much time with these people that if someone rubs you the wrong way, even if it's just a little bit, it's a long season. And so I think I think more so we're seeing is that players on the search of, you know, that perfect coaching match, which doesn't really come along all that often, but you know, there's no sense in, in trying to trying to find you know that perfect situation. Yeah. Sort of what what Cahill and Halep have because they sort of have, you know, the most public slash successful, you know, coaching coaching duo. You know, they're they're definitely. I said it before, but they they are coach relationship coach player goals for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, I'm I'm sure we'll we'll keep everyone updated on the the various coaching changes that happen. And uh, you know, like you said, there there are you know changes on on both sides, and uh, these are just some of the big ones that we've heard about this week. But I do want to transition over to the ATP side. Um, you know, kind of on the topic of injuries, we've got three guys uh, in different stages of their injury recovery. Um, or, you know, yeah, I, I guess in their injury recovery. Uh, I want to start with Delpo, who, you know, is now back. Uh, we've seen some videos of him, you know, playing a little bit and, and getting back on the court, and he's uh, made an announcement that he's going to be returning in October at Stockholm. Uh, hasn't played since uh, the Queens Club tournament, you know, back in, in the early months of the, the grass season. You know, what do you expect from Delpo coming back? This is now what his you know, kind of third major comeback after surgery and, and injuries. I'm worried about his body, man. Yeah, big time. Me too. Super worried about his body. If if it holds up, he's going to do what he always does. He's so good at coming back and, you know, just picking up right where he left off. You know, his weapons, people don't really have those weapons uh, in, in, in anywhere. His forehand is so good. And his ability to play the game of tennis – knowing what points are crucial for him to win and little things like that, you know, separate himself from the rest of the competition. And when that serve and forehand are firing, you know, in his backhand, he totally had to relearn how to hit it. I have so much respect for this guy. 
I just I just pray that pray that he doesn't have to go through this again. Because I don't think I think this has got to be the last time. You know, this is like. Jeez, let's, let's again, West off. Let's knock on some wood here, please. <laughs> I just don't understand how he ha- have the mental fortitude and strength to keep losing season after season after season. You know, he's played. Know. Plen- he's made plenty of money. Just he's lost so many matches and so many tournaments. Such a such a historic career is just totally derailed. This guy's bad luck, Brian. It's just unfair. Pisses me off because he's my favorite player to watch. Absolutely. I mean, the the way he rips. But, I mean, yeah, this is his second knee problem. He he first fractured it last October when he fell uh, in Shanghai. And then, you know, this, you know, to break your kneecap is just... Crazy and, and slip. Oh, I was watching I it live. When it we happened, talked about it. We had, a, the two, we had a podcast afterwards, and we were both talking about it, just seeing it. It's just cringeworthy watching it. Well, because I'm pretty sure he finished that match. He did, and he won. Yeah. <laughs> he won yeah, the match. Yeah, of course he did. He won with a broken kneecap because he's, he's a Delta tank. He's a god. But yeah, I mean, that it, that's. I think that's the part that worries me. I think post wrist surgery, I was like, you know what? He can still move well. The wrist will heal. He'll learn to adjust to his game style based on how his wrist is feeling. And uh, but this worries me. You know, the movement is so important for him. He's not, you know, the best mover as it is. Uh, and uh, you should. He's pretty damn good at moving around the tennis court. Max, you know, th- for a six foot seven guy. Come on, come on. Come you know, on, the the on. problem is he's now got you know these these comps like you know Medvedev, who's as tall and moves twice as well as him. Um, so I, I hear you. He, he's not a bad mover for his height, but we've got, we've got a few, you know, six foot five, six, 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 seven comps to Delpo. And, uh, there, he's probably at the lower end of that tall pool. And in, in my opinion, am I crazy? Uh, I, I, I'm, I don't want to have this discussion with you. Because, <laughs> no, I'm you're sh- just disrespecting Delpo. I just don't I'm like sh- the guy. I'm sh- no, it's just like, <laughs> I just don't understand what, what what you're getting after here. I mean, the guy's <laughs> fractured his kneecap twice, and you're like, oh, I don't know if he's gonna be able. To. Obviously, he's gonna be slower. Obviously, he's not gonna be able to move as well. The guy literally shattered his kneecap twice, but you know, just throw a little more respect on his name, please, for the love of God. Look, because this guy is is amazing, and and no, it's just he's moved so well for his size. He's huge. He's a giant. And he moves incredibly well. Come on, that's like one of his biggest strengths. And you're just, you're just come on, man. Oh, Be better well. next time. <laughs> uh, God, I'm glad I know how to grind your gears now. That was perfect. That was that was <laughs> exactly the response I was hoping for. Oh man. All right. Well, we'll we'll drop the Delpo conversation. Of course, I love Delpo. He's amazing. I wish he, you know, was around more and could, you know, scare these big three because um, he's one of those guys where if he's on, that forehand can can wipe uh, off any tennis of the big is, three. Tennis is so much about matchups, and he matches up well with the with all of them. You know, I it's know. Like he's Nadal when he beat Nadal two two and two at the U.S. Open. Nadal was hitting that high. Well, back when Del Potro still had his normal backhand, that, oh. that high cross court, he just stepped in, cranked backhand winner down the line. Nothing Nadal could do. Immediately, he's on the run. Delpo gets a forehand, just yanks him around the court. I mean, he matched up really well with Nadal. He matches up eh, not that well with Fed, I think. But Joker, he and Joker have some of the best matches in tennis history. Yeah. You know, Joker's defense and maneuverability around the court versus Delpo's unprecedented power. 
Oh, I just, uh, yeah, I just pray that we can just get a few more magical Del Paul moments because, you know, the emotional roller coaster that it's it's been with him is it's just tough. And I want to see him out there, but not if he's going to have to go through this again because I don't know if I could take it. Yeah, I, I, I can tell. <laughs> I, can, the, I can hear the emotional roller coaster going on over there. And I'm sure everyone else can hear it too. So uh, to save you also, let's let's hope that. You know, he, he makes a, a good recovery and can get back to, you know, the level he was at. But let's move on to, you know, another guy, um, you know, a little bit earlier into his recovery process, Kevin Anderson, uh, who's out, who is having, you know, season-ending surgery, um, you know, also on that knee. So, he, you know, I'm sure he's going to be talking to Delpo about what he can do to recover and, you know, get back to, to the best of his ability. But this is also sad, you know, another tall guy who, you know, this year is you know, 11 and four was having a pretty good year, had a title at Pune in the beginning of the year. Um, what do you what do you expect from, you know, big boy Anderson coming back in, in 2020? Mm, I think mentally he really, you know, cleared a big hurdle several years ago. So I think he'll be able to get back to that level because he's experienced um, success on the big stage. So he knows he belongs. But yeah, it's 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 tough. He he plays a pretty physical style for being six foot seven. I mean, he does have that massive serve, but he grinds from the baseline. You know, he doesn't necessarily finish points as quickly as possible. So, I think it could be tough for him. He plays a pretty physical style, and it makes sense. I mean, the guy has a lot of miles. Of, I think he played three years in college. I want to say. And then he goes in and grinding on the tour, and then he has his success so late in his career. And then finally, when he's starting to taste this massive success, the injuries pile up. So the timing is unfortunate for him, but I have, I have faith that he'll be able to get back to a top 10 level, no problem. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 33, and I, I think, like you said, he, he did kind of get through this mental hurdle. I think there was a point where... You know, he, he wasn't consistently getting the wins that he wanted. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely, you know, have high expectations for him. Uh, and, you know, kind of a, a good timing, too. Uh, Kevin Anderson, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, just had a, a little girl, uh, you know, adding a little girl to his family. And, you know, kind of good timing as she's, you know, coming into this world to be able to spend some time with her, uh, you know, while he's recovering. So uh, good timing on his part. I'm sure he didn't plan that, but... Uh, yeah, that that worked out well for him. I mean, he turned pro in 2008, 2007, 2008, and he didn't make a quarter of a major until 2015. No way. Yeah, 2015 Seven years. was the first time he made a quarter of a major. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. And then he made two finals, 17 uh, U.S. Open, and then 18 Wimbledon. But yeah, he he really it he he took he yeah amazing amazing perseverance and you know just a testament to constantly improving your game and if you mm-hmm. can do it with that growth mindset mentality that's 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 exactly what it looks like he did and it's impressive yeah and i mean uh, another guy that you know can just just push people off the court with his strokes and uh you know doesn't necessarily match up crazy well with the big three but we've seen some unbelievable matches with them and so uh, another guy that we hope to see back on the court healthy um, you know, have a full roster of these. I feel like we haven't had a full roster of the top 20 guys in, in quite a while. We've had injuries kind of flowing, and I feel like that's somewhat, you know, of a, of a constant theme just with the length of the season uh, of tennis. And 
Uh, but these are two guys that we would love to see back on court. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea for another podcast. Talk about changes you'd make, you know, with the long season, different formats maybe if you have some interesting cracked rackets worthy ideas. Oh, they've got some stuff. Trust me, there there's some ideas. We'll we'll get a great shot podcast going with that at, at some point soon. Uh, speaking of which, if you haven't checked because out the Because the season podcast, is too long. It's objectively too long. It is. I we, don't, sorry, we, I don't want to in, interrupt your, your plugs or shout-outs. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just saying, if you know, have, if you haven't listened to the Great Shot podcast, you should go to the, the podcast app or Spotify or any of your uh, you know podcast uh, platforms and check out the Great Shot podcast. And while you're at it, you may as well check out Cracked Interviews and, and What the Deuce and you know uh, the mini break and then all of them i mean it's just it just makes sense sorry that was a terrible plug um but let's let's move on to our last guy andy murray just announced that he's got uh he's going to accept his wild card into shanghai um this is awesome i mean he's been playing uh, a little bit here and there he played uh you know stemming back to what the summer um actually in august played the western and southern open and since he loses to gasquet first round uh plays winston-salem loses to tennis sandgren first round uh, and he just played a challenger out in mallorca you know we had a, we talked a little bit about how nadal offered him his bow while he was there whatever uh, and maybe he took it because he loses third round uh to mateo viola who's ranked 246 in the world uh, loses seven six in the third but and he, I mean, he's making his his slow return back to the tour, and uh, I actually think it's a huge step that he's you know accepting his wild card into Shanghai. I think he's been you know hesitant to play the big tournaments because he hasn't felt ready, uh, and this might show kind of a, a a level of confidence that he hasn't had up until this point. So uh, I'm really excited to see him play, and, and curious you know what his level is going to be like. I mean. What if if you had to take a guess right now? Is he is he winning his first round match in Shanghai? Uh, yeah. I mean, you need to see the draw, obviously. But yeah, yeah, I, of I course. Think so I mean, he's he has that tournament. He started, came back playing doubles, so he got the you know the match experience back at the grounds, back on the tournaments, and then he played the singles. I think he's got it enough under his belt, and he wouldn't be playing if he's not ready. I mean, there's a reason he played those challengers, which was pretty right. admirable of him to do. You know, knowing he's probably not going to win the whole thing just because his body can't, you know, challenges you got to play every day. You know, you don't get that day off in between, like, the slams. Yeah. So I think I mean, he knew that that was going to happen. And, yeah, I mean, I think he's ready. And he's such a tank. If you ever see him in person, I mean, he is such a strong physical dude. And the way he plays is so physical, too. It'll be interesting to see if he's going to play the same way or if he does try to shorten the points a little bit because he can and I think that would you know serve him well but you know when he takes off and goes full sprint I mean he's so fast but it's just such oh. a violent violent movement you see how his hip couldn't handle it yeah I mean it the, the dude is all over the court I'm, I'm sure he's gonna have to start shortening points you know similar and, and not that he's old but that's he's not only... his game that's not his I game know. at all so it's like it's, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be tough I think because you know, it's not like he's the Brian brothers out there playing doubles. Doubles is seventy five percent easier physically on your body than singles, if not okay, more. Okay, but not. but that is a huge point, though, right? He's been playing a lot of doubles, and I'm sure his volleys feel fantastic right now. Maybe his he's volleys are to always fantastic. His volleys are always fantastic. I know, and but Andy think, think Murray. <laughs> but I'm just I'm saying I, I I played a lot of doubles throughout my time, and I know that after. 
playing a bunch of doubles and going into a singles match, I felt so good coming into the net behind a big forehand approach or a big backhand approach. And maybe that's going to be, you know, a little bit more of his style of play and, and feeling like he, you know, can come in a little bit more and shorten those points because he feels so comfortable at the net. I, I think it's a huge you know, benefit that he's gotten to play as much doubles as he's had. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He, I, I think you're reaching on this. He played. He's always oh. good at doubles. He's always good at singles. He's Andy Murray, for Christ's sake. He's, you know, it's it doesn't at that point at that level, whatever doubles is just match experience, you know, serve and returns in real life in real time, is the most oh. important thing. Getting that rest oh. in on the serve and return, and you know the mental ups and downs that you have and the emotional roller coaster you have during a match because he's an emotional player. He wears it on his sleeve, and yeah, I mean maybe he's gonna vault, maybe he'll win. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I'm not I, I'm not necessarily agreeing with your take there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to to double back on my take, I mean, Jack Sock is the perfect example of how you can go to you know to doubles and just still ball out, you know, even if your singles game isn't feeling too hot. So uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've I, I had to play uh, Jack so often in doubles. It's it, it's an, have I, it's it's so impossible. We can go on a little tangent. Why it's so hard to play him in doubles when he's on the ad court because everything he's getting is a forehand. forehand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything he's getting is a forehand. His hands are his hands are great. We know that. But just strategically, you have to just take it. You have to rip it to his forehand and volley and then handle it. Because if you're trying to find his backhand on the doubles court, you're aiming for one-eighth of the court. And that is such a terrible strategy in doubles to try and pinpoint yeah. one-eighth of the court and open up so many angles for him too. If he's outside the doubles alley hitting that forehand, he can take it inside out off the court. He can go inside in down the line. And most of the time, he'll just rip and roll middle, and then you'll have to pop it up, and then he'll step up and, and crack it. I mean, it is a nightmare. I played with him before, and it was just a joke. Like, you hit, like, 80 times more overheads when you play with him than anyone else because <laughs> his standard forehand elicits fear in the greatest tennis players in the world when they're at the net. And it has so much top that when you're actually volleying it, you really need to get your racket like five, six inches below where you think, a nor like where it normally would be and just focus on making the volley. Don't focus on doing anything spectacular with it because it, it, he is the, him and Nadal, I can't imagine volleying their forehands. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I think one of the, the coolest matches to watch was, you know, him at the US Open uh, with Withrow playing the Bryan brothers. You know, obviously he's, played doubles you know with with both i think with both mike and bob right but i mean obviously you know he he's played against them too and watching him go against those two you know who he's also been on the side of the net with them i mean they were watching that forehand come at them and they were like oh shit like <laughs> you could see yeah, it they at know. Times. Like, i mean they know there he was a travel partner on, on davis cup when when the brian brothers were playing and he was beating up on him in practice in doubles and he started talking a little noise and then the Bryan brothers quickly 
put an end to that. They they sort of yelled at him. I can't remember the exactly, but it's a funny story. We'll get that on on another pod one time. But yeah, he sort of came on, and the Brian brothers, <laughs> I think, were. I don't know, but they were probably like, "Holy crap, this guy's good Absolutely. in his place," because he is he is pretty cocky too, beating up on us and talking noise. You know, you're not playing this week, buddy. We're playing this week. You're here to be yeah. our partner, our hitting partner, and not a not not diminish our confidence right before the Davis Cup tie. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's not something that surprises me from from Jack at all, but uh, it's, that's a, a fun little story. Labor Cup, 5-1 and one in doubles in Labor Cup. Him and Nick Kyrgios, 2-0. and oh, How great was Nick Kyrgios' Instagram post? I know. I, I promised Gruskin. Gruskin literally texted me before this and said, we're going to talk a lot of Labor Cup next week and asked me to not talk about it on this podcast. So I do want to respect that, and I will make sure to bring you on, and we will talk about that because that was awesome that he, that he chirped team. Uh, team Europe, and you know they're they're probably gonna get smacked, but uh, I'm already probably talking too much about Labor Cup. I want to save it for next week. We've got a lot to talk about then. Um, I do want to talk about some of the results that were going on today uh, out in Cary, North Carolina, at the Cary Tennis Park, which is I'm I'm sure a place that you've played plenty, uh, and you know it's also the place that Gruskin and I got to play uh, some national club tennis at, which was uh, you know really fun hell yeah so i mean carry tennis park is just yeah uh, i played there many a time you see how that snake can can hop out of the woods there there's a lot of, of forested area yep i think there might be some creeks in that area as well that you know, that wasn't where the finger thing happened was it no that was san diego state ah uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah good old san diego state wish it was pepperdine wish it was pepperdine <laughs> <laughs> if it happened at Pepper and I, I probably wouldn't be on the pod right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, well, back to Carrie. I mean, great, great facility. Uh, the challengers going on there, and there were some, you know, pretty, pretty cool results today. Uh, Noah Rubin takes out Chris Eubanks six four six seven seven six. Um, we also had. JC Aragon playing Daniel Nguyen, you know, some, some old college matchups. Uh, JC takes that match three and two. Uh, we had Mo playing Torp. Uh, Mo beats Torpegard one and four. Uh, and then TP takes out Brandon Nakashima, the, the junior U.S. Open semifinalist, uh, six and four. I mean, just some really good tennis going on here. You're totally missing out if you're not watching uh, this Challenger series. Did you get a chance to watch any of these matches? Any of these stick out to you? Yeah, I got a chance to. I was actually watching doubles earlier today, and I saw a little bit of Ruben uh, versus Eubanks. And I, I try and watch Tommy Paul. I was in, unable to catch that one, but TP's playing well. He's moving so well, man. Mm-hmm. You can just tell with him. You, I think you said this one time when he's just, when you see you know hit the quickness of his movement, and you know he has it. He's tough to beat at that level, and he's climbing up the rankings. And for a guy like that, I really hope. He can taste some of that big time, big time success with those fat paychecks because I think he'll get used to that, and I don't, I don't think he'll, I think he'll be stay there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he he just came off, uh, you know, a challenger win in uh, New Haven. You know, took out Ty Kwiatkowski in the first round, takes out Bradley Klon, takes out Ruben, and then takes out Marcos in that final. Uh, all straight set victories for him. I mean, he looks really good right now, and I'm hoping that he can carry that. Uh, you know, he he broke into the top 100 for the first time. 
so you know hopefully he can carry the success and you know maybe get some wild cards into the the you know the Asian swing and you know like you said continue to to do well and you know start racking up some of that prize money to propel him into 2020 yeah his his talent his talent level is just seems a little bit higher than the rest of the players in these in these fields you know yeah. when he's when he's on you can just tell he's got he's got the juice a little bit more than everyone else just yeah. his shot making ability you know it's just and he's just so athletic yeah, yeah exactly and it's just it's a different level of athleticism and talent i think than than a lot of these guys but i mean they're so good i was watching the tennis today and it's so hot there too man it's so I can't imagine playing in this tournament right now. God, you get a two p.m. match in Cary, North Carolina, in you know at the early September. It's nuts. It's I mean, tough, man. Yeah, it's you, hum- It's sticky there. It's very, very sticky. It's, it's, oh yeah. I mean, you you went to Duke. My my grandparents are from Greensboro. I grew up playing. You know, every summer in that heat, but, you know, it's the humidity. It is just so wet. I remember going through just hundreds of grips. Uh, there's just nothing you can do. It's just, it's too much there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're, you're watching these guys. You can even tell in the live stream. I mean, they're dripping, just absolutely dripping. So, yeah. it is brutal. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're at September, uh, the end of summer in, in North Carolina. It's tough. So, kudos to those guys for grinding out there. But, uh, Kale, it's been a pleasure. Uh, any any thought, last thoughts on the the craziness of this week, the U.S. Open, you know, moving forward into the Asian swing? No, not really. I'm not looking forward to having to work, you know, those big Masters 1000s. Oh, God, the time yeah, difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, where you're logging on to work at 9 p.m. It's not a good feeling. No, that is. But we love it. That's why we do it. Um, Absolutely, so it, it's worth it in the end. But yeah, that's all I've got. This has been this has been a pleasure, and I hope that we can get better because I, we're both in pain right now. I think you can tell. Yeah, we we need some uh, some good old healing going on. But uh, one last thing, I, I forgot to. Uh, I'm I'm backtracking all the way to our Kim Kleister's conversation. It's just something that I saw that I thought was crazy. Uh, as a former world number one, she gets unlimited wild cards in tournaments. That is. I didn't know though. I, I, I mean, it was on the WTA article that I read, so I feel like it has to be. Um, That's a good rule. I like that. That is the crazy, MJ though. Unlimited wild cards. <laughs> I mean, sheesh. No, it's not crazy. If you're number one in the world in tennis, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's just. I think. I think it's just a. I think it's a good rule. I mean, I guess like if you think about it the other way the golf making right? like making a former world number one qualify for a masters is just that's well, you want crazy. you want them to play the tournaments they get you know they get people in the stands yeah exactly so it's it's for more for the tournaments than anything right you know it's not for the players i'm sure the players wouldn't mind having to play qualities because they've done it before and they're on the comeback they're used to it i think it's more for the tournaments than anything else yeah if you have a former World number one trying to play. Hey, get, just get her on in there. Yeah, please, <laughs> please play. Thousand more tickets. Yeah, you're you're probably right there. But I uh, just you know I was looking back at my notes and something I forgot to mention. I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, but Kale, that's interesting. Let's let's get some ice on our on our ankles and backs and and get nice and rested. Appreciate you coming on here today, uh, tonight actually, and we're we're approaching 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
but thank you again. And of course, can't can't wrap up these podcasts without thanking our super producers, Daniel Westhoff and Max Fleener, who as always have a f- an editing job to do. Uh, we appreciate you very much. But one last time for my wonderful co-host, Kale Hammond, for our fantastic super producers, Daniel and Max, and for the entire team at Cracked Rackets. Kale, what do we say? That's a break. That is a break, and we'll my catch back you is also broken as well. <laughs> Thankfully, there's not a third one, which is in my leg. We're 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 glad that's not happening. But <laughs> but with that, right. we'll catch you all next time. Thanks. Hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'm alive to see you next time. Probably. Not, <laughs> oh God. Friday the thirteenth, everyone. I don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe out there.